Unfederated, a podcast for freelancers hosted by a brother and sister who are polar opposites, but have found a way to make a living doing what they love. Hey, brother. Hey, Sarah. How's it going? Pretty good. How are you? I'm doing okay. Just okay? Just okay. I have a head cold that will not die. Where This is like week three of this smoker cough, uh, hacky head cold thing. Um, I want to just point out that Rob is not an actual smoker. That's correct. <laughs> yeah. That's correct. But you wouldn't know that from listening to me cough. <laughs> um, that gravelly baritone has just naturally come by. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. That's really lame. I feel like it happens a lot in Tennessee, and I blame the air pollution because as soon as I moved away, I was like, oh, I, I don't have a cold all the time. <laughs> so um, you have mentioned that to me before. And I went down a deep rabbit trail uh, (laughs) Friday, I guess. We're recording this on a Sunday. And um, so it ended with me watching an hour and a half long YouTube webinar uh, on air quality and buying a air quality sensor to keep in our home. (laughs) Oh, no. I'm so sorry, but also you're welcome. (laughs) So it arrived yesterday and I've been... Moving it around the house, and it's 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 gotten it's gotten real. Really, what are you uh-huh. learning? Are you living in like a, <laughs> like a toxic wasteland? Well, we have perpetually high um, rates of CO two in our home, and from what everything I read, it's like fresh air. And I'm like, okay, it's a weird time. It's the time of year where we can't really like open the windows, and we're not outside, and yada yada yada. But we had like a, a like a unseasonably um, mild day today. And so we opened all the windows and the CO2 level didn't change. What? <laughs> I think it's just Chattanooga. There we go. <laughs> so my mind has gone to straight up Aaron Brockovich investigation. <laughs> Listen, so. I mean, I know it's 100% anecdotal, but when every single time I call any member of my family, they're like, well, I have the crud. I just can't seem to get over. And I'm like, that's not a thing here. Uh-huh. <laughs> you can't help but draw a conclusion. Yeah. Yeah. So like Chattanooga used to um, uh, be known, I think, uh, oh gosh, who is the um, really famous, uh, Walter Cronkite. Um, referred to Chattanooga as the dirtiest little city in America at some point in time, like in the seventies. And it's gone through this big revitalization and it's not that anymore. But now I'm like, uh, uh, (laughs) have we all been fooled? Oh, well, maybe, you know, um, all right. Well, I'm glad you're listening to the random things I say. I will continue to spout conspiracy theories to you. Based on no research and then expect you to do hours of research to confirm or deny them. <laughs> as long as I can follow one person, you know, one of the people I follow on Twitter, as long as they're in it, in it too, then we're good. <laughs> That's the only thing that you need to like confirm something. It's like, all right, all right. Pure all right. confirmation. <laughs> well, I'm sorry you're feeling poorly. So w- w- I have a question about feeling poorly. <laughs> Terrible segue. Um, should I get disability insurance? That's Mm. a thing I thought of last week when a friend of mine said, hey, do you have disability insurance? (laughs) And I said no. And then I was like, oh, 
oh no, I guess maybe I should. So then I called my insurance agent and she called me back, but I missed her. And then I forgot about it until right now. So this is a very hot off the presses consideration. Should I get it? Because I'm solo, solo people probably need to consider that. Yeah, that's, that is a good question. I am by far not a, a insurance expert. Um, so take that from a grain of salt, everyone listening, but, um, I, I view you as a, um, risk management expert. Well, that could be fair. Um, when you have enough crappy things happen to you in life, you learn to deal with that. Um, I had, well, okay. Two types of, uh, disability insurance, short term and long term. Do you have a sense of which one you would need and or want? Well, I think we should talk that through, right? Because I'm not like a getting insurance for the sake of insurance person um, because it you know, doesn't make any sense. And uh, like really thinking it through, what, what would happen to me? I don't have kids, right? So if I am... Um, I'm not dealing with like, oh, a kid can't afford college because I'm, you know, disabled. Also, my job is extremely sedentary. So, like, if I was working with my hands or something where, you know, there's a risk that if I, like, um, cut a hand off, as I'm likely to do at some point, <laughs> and be unable to perform my job duties, that it seems like a lot would have to happen to me to be unable to be a lawyer. Yeah, like of all the terrible things that could happen, you're talking about like 10% of those would actually come into play. Right, like it'd have to be a brain injury, essentially. Yeah. Um, okay, so I have long-term disability insurance. I do not have short-term disability insurance, and we can kind of talk about how those factor or you know play in. Um, so short-term disability insurance is like you – trying to think of some good uh good examples that aren't like super morbid but um if how about like um baby having stuff because a lot of people either um are are doing this right after or maybe they're considering more because i know a lot of people who've done gone out on their own and then loved it but they go back into traditional employment for maternity leave and that kind of protection which is i think a very fine and reasonable choice, but might be, you know, something that's not necessarily necessary. Right. Yeah. Uh, good enunciation between those two. Yeah. It's a really redundant <laughs> word choice on my part. Um, yeah. So uh, pregnancy would be a good one. So short-term disability is kind of what it sounds like if you have a short-term injury or some kind of situation. Um, my wife had like back surgery, for example, would be another example where it's just a... Um, a period of time which you know is going to come to an end or you know you anticipate coming to an end it kind of jumps in usually you have like a a short waiting period like two weeks or something um that you miss work for two weeks and then it kicks in and starts covering some portion of your costs or or replaces some portion of your income i think is is more popular and uh covers that till you get back to work so um that, from my perspective, uh, I I handled that with just uh, savings. Like you know, we have uh, an emergency fund, and it largely would cover that role for us um, versus paying for that. Um, when my wife had her back surgery, she was still employed, and so her employer offered it, and so it wasn't something you know, she was having to pay like very very little for it. And in a group benefit setting, that's pretty affordable. Um, 
And so that worked out for her, you know, like why not? Uh, we have priced it since um, she's been out on her own. Well, I'm sorry. We've priced long-term. I don't think we've priced short-term um, at all, just because um, we don't anticipate, you know, we're just going to self-insure uh, through that, through having a savings account. So tell me about that. Like, um, (laughs) I would assume that most people who are uh, conservative enough to go and find and sign up for short-term disability insurance would also be the type of people who have like a decent emergency fund. Um, Is there some kind of benefit it offers that savings doesn't? Um, If you... uh, you know, I, I guess it would offer a benefit of like if you your short term becomes less short, you know, like I'm sure it has some sort of max cap. But if, if you're in a situation, say a pregnancy that had some complications, so you, it was still like a short term leave from work, but, it, you know, it wasn't a, a, a permanent disability or something, um, but it was enough that it would have kind of exhausted your savings. It's kind of nice to have um, the the most popular or commercially popular example of this, I think, is like the Geico insurance, you know, that kind of like pays you when you don't get paid or whatever their slogan is. <laughs> that, um, that opened something better than that. That was terrible. <laughs> Catchy marketer. <laughs> it's a <like> gecko. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I, th- I think just the uh, without limitation kind of thing. Right. Um, I had a family member that got really sick not long ago and they had, um, Geico through work and, and so it ended up kind of kicking in and paying for some portion of stuff. And there's literally, I'm not sure if they're all this way, but this particular one was this way. There's like a menu of things and it was like, Oh, if you have this, then you get so much money. And if you have this, you get so much money. And if you have this, you know, so like for a stroke, you get so much for a heart attack, you get so much. If you have cancer, you get so much like, you know, there, there's almost just like a, a restaurant menu of like, if this terrible thing happens to you, we'll, we'll pay you this much money, you know, up to six times or up to whatever. And so that just kind of jumps in where, you know, your emergency fund may, may not, or if you don't have an emergency, emergency fund, it sure, Certainly wouldn't, um, but something that could kind of run it dry. I, if you have health insurance, you know, um, that's going to cover a lot of the, obviously cover the cost of the actual procedures. But if you have to travel for some doctor's appointments, if you're having, you know, other expenses taking place in the background of that, then those are kind of the ones that jumps in and covers, if that makes sense. Okay. All right. So, so it could, I mean, if it's affordable, it's worth doing, it sounds like. Yeah. Um, my guess is that for a single individual, it probably wouldn't be, um, unless you have access to it through some sort of association. Meaning it wouldn't be affordable. Uh, right. I mean, by all means, go price it. And, like, we can talk about it, um, you know, after you do, like, come back and we'll uh, keep talking about it. But I'm guessing it's the kind of thing that – you, you know, it's cheap because if enough people are paying into it, statistically only one or two are actually going to use it, you know, um, versus if it's just one person and you're paying like a really modest premium and you use it, then like it's the policy is going to be upside down really fast. You know, that's true. What do you, I mean, did you price it and that's why you decided not to do short term? No. Um, we just kind of decided, 
I mean, uh, Rachel didn't have access to take hers with her when she left her full-time job. So, um, we are, uh, we've talked about how conservative we, we both are financially and how that's helped us we, when we, part of me going out on my own, knowing that, uh, my wife was already self-employed is that we kind of probably overdid our emergency fund. <laughs> so, um, it's just been classic mistake. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't regretted that at all. It makes us, it helps us sleep better at night. Um, but it's, you know, I don't, I don't think that's a, that's not where our risk is. I don't think. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you, you're like sitting pretty as far as emergency fund. What about her? I mean, is it different for a woman who's of childbearing age? Like, I assume that that would be additionally just like ungodly expensive. Yeah, I think that that's my uh, that's part of my rationale of why for females it probably would be super expensive as an individual because like you know if you're in you know child having age range <laughs> then then like uh, you know again one claim and all of a sudden the policy is upside down so um, my guess is they prevent that from happening but um, I could be wrong I could totally be wrong about that that just would make uh, good logical sense to me. Yeah, it does make sense to me too. Um, and if it's if it's something anything substantial cost wise, it does make um, the most sense to have that as an emergency fund and not be giving the money away necessarily. Yeah, right. And then that's just money that at some point in time when you have your emergency fund built up, you don't have to pay that anymore unless you use it. Right? Like unless you have an event where you're having to draw your savings, then you're it's not a, a monthly expenditure anymore. What do you think the the premium that makes sense? Like if you're paying, what what's the max you'd pay for short-term disability a month? Um, I think that's going to be different for different people because it largely depends on your financial situation. Um, if you are a person that, uh, and no judgment, just spectrum, if you're like living paycheck to paycheck, then your risk of like missing a payday is is far more significant than if you have like, you know, eight months worth of savings or, you know, then you can survive a lot more in that situation without it uh, costing you anything. So, um, you know, we don't have eight months worth of savings, but in our minds, like um, we're further down on that end of the spectrum. And so something like you sedentary job um, for me, then like something pretty drastic would have to happen for, for me to be out of commission. And if it does, like, I don't think it's a short-term thing. It's probably a long-term thing, you know? Yeah, like if something happens to the point where you or I are incapable of um, logging onto a computer and pushing buttons on the internet um, for uh, for the rest of our lives, like something's gone terribly wrong. <laughs> and, and part of what we've got going for us is if either one of us experienced an event where we just say, okay, well, we're just going to check out of work for a little while and go focus on you know, reclaiming our health, right? Like that's noble, but like, I don't know that we have the liberty to do that. Like my business is not going to be there when I get back, you know, like I'm going to be starting over. And so, I mean, if, if life warrants that, so be it, you know, like you do what you got to do. Like health's important. That's a good point. I didn't think about the rea realities of being like, okay, I'm short-term disabled. So I get this sweet paycheck. Awesome. But, mm -hmm. you know, meantime, my clients are emailing and not getting responses and finding new lawyers and everything's kind of burning down around me and the whole business is not there when I come back. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, 
sadly, that's part of what, I mean, that's one of the downsides of the life we've chosen, right? And I mean, we've got people we could ask to step in and help shoulder some of the burden. And, you know, there's some things we could do to try to make that as easy as possible. But ultimately, like, you know, things have to be a certain level of bad before that's happening. Um, between a combination of how uh, little physically it requires to do our jobs and the fact that like if we gave up on it, it would not be there when we got back largely. Yeah. I hadn't really thought about how that would function in reality. And I think I'd probably need to find a different solution and the, the like relatively insubstantial payments would probably not do a bunch to help me. I, however, if you're an entrepreneur who is doing something that you can't do with like a broken arm or a broken leg, I would say it is much more worth considering because I mean, maybe I'm saying that cause I'm in Colorado and everybody's always breaking arms and legs, but, um, that's our, that's our air pollution is just skiing and outdoor related, uh, orthopedic injuries. Um, cause yeah, if, if you were doing something like if you had a furniture, custom furniture business then you'd be screwed. Or even if you, if you're a photographer or if you were, you know, you make cakes, like you, you did had a cake business, like both of those are going to be a problem, you know, if you break a foot or break a arm, um, you might have to work through it, but at the same time, it'd be much, you know, more, uh, more challenging than what we've got. And so why did you get long-term? Yeah. So long-term is kind of a, a, a different thing in my opinion. Um, long-term is like, I have, you know, uh, a stroke that I never recover from or, you know, something dramatic happens that that's my permanent, um, position moving forward. And in that kind of situation, if I lost the ability to work and um, then the long-term disability kicks in and covers some portion of my income for um, some, it's not for, I don't think it's forever, but it's something like 40 years or, you know, like some well beyond uh, amount of time that would be reasonable. So um, I think it was like 40 years or until retirement age or something when, when you might have other uh, savings or social security kick in, you know, um, the kind of bridges that gap. And that seemed more, um, like a greater threat for us, you know, if something were to happen again, it's still the same thing that like, you know, um, if, uh, you know, if I lost both my legs in a tragic car accident, like I could still do my job, you know? So like, uh, you know, it'd have to be a certain level of bad for that to kick in. But, um, in the event that happens in my thinking, my family would, would, uh, then have the responsibility to care for me. This would mean I'm not able to care for myself and my income goes away. So with a lot of insurances, you kind of do the math and say, well, if I'm dead, you know, then like I, I don't cost the family anything anymore, right? Like I'm gone. And so, you know, you just kind of factor that in into the, the, the math of things. But in that situation, for long-term disability, it's kind of the opposite. Like not only are you not gone, but you, you are increasing the expenses of the family at the same time. Um, so I felt like for those reasons, that would be a helpful thing for us to have. And it's not terribly expensive. I mean, a few hundred dollars a year um, and covers mine. Um, we tried to get it for my wife and it was, uh, unreasonably expensive. Like why is that four times more money? I, I really don't know. Um, our insurance agent was like, yeah, it's a lot more for females and we're like, okay. 
Um, <laughs> all, right, all right. Four thanks. times more with no yeah. explanation. Yeah. Um, it should totally be more for, I mean, men have a higher wage usually um, by like, I don't know, 20 something percent, right? So <laughs> wage gap. And like uh, men are uh, statistically usually older in the family. And so are probably more likely to enter into a situation that um, needs this sooner. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure. I mean, I got it um, a number of years ago when I was still traditionally employed, um, which, uh, but I, for whatever reason, I was, I was really surprised to see how much more it is. Um, we're going to talk about this in a future episode. I think you and I are kind of playing in something uh, more about health insurance, but um, there's kind of been a resurgence in the marketplace for association plans um, or plans, uh, health insurance plans you have access to because you're a member of a, a, a big association. Uh, so for example, my wife's a realtor, it'd be like the realtors association, you know, and those just, those used to be a thing and they kind of went away and, um, in the shadow of like, uh, the affordable care act. Um, but now they're kind of making a resurgence. Um, and I'm wondering if that's not like a, a viable avenue for some of these, uh, short-term and long-term disability plans that we're talking about here too. Like if, if um, I don't know this for sure, but something I would want to check on is, and, and for you, if you're pricing this out, it'd be interesting to see like, you know, the bar association or something. Do you have access to a big group of people all buying the same policy that enables it to be more affordable than just like one individual in, you know, Colorado, Colorado buying the thing? Yeah. that. That would be very doable. And I'm super involved in the Bar Association. And we are always looking for, we have a voluntary Bar Association. In most states, you have a mandatory one. So we're always looking for um, things to add value to people to encourage them to join. So I'm sure when we talk about, you know, the things that can be done there, if there's anything that we can do that's not being done, I'll tell them about it because that's a great opportunity. Yeah. And I, th I think usually... For those kind of situations, like, uh, you know, the National Realtor Association or the National Bar Association would have like a deal with uh, Prudential or like, you know, it's not like, you know, uh, like hey, you're, yeah, Jimmy dink. Smith down, yeah. the, down the street. It's like a like they've got some sort of national partnership with a, a, a big household name that they've formed a relationship with. So um, usually it's it's a pretty legit deal if if it's available. That's that makes a lot of sense. So I think everybody just has to think truly what would happen in your life if you were injured in a little bit of a way or a lot of bit of a way or died. <laughs> this is a great, great exercise. Yeah. And, uh, and sadly, but that's like those are the phases, right? Like uh, life insurance kicks in when you die, but then you don't cost anything. Any, you don't cost the family anything outside of burial costs. So like you're, you know, you're good for that. But then in a situation, it's like the in-between where you can't work, but you um, either you don't cost the family anymore, but like you can't provide income. Or even worst case scenario, you, you cost the family more for your care and you, you don't provide income. Then that's, that's kind of the, the hole there that is worth considering and, and perhaps a few hundred dollars a month to fill. It's unlikely to happen, but I don't know. I always find that the people who have good estate plans and that have um, considered things like that make uh, the best business people mm -hmm. um, because 
they're not afraid to confront the things that people don't want to think about and be proactive about it, which I say not having (laughs) disability insurance and I stand by it. And I'm I'm wondering too for you, just thinking out of the box, because you're a member of this like, you know, small collective of independent uh attorneys, like could you guys, for the sake of this purpose, be a legit firm, you know, air quotes, and go out and get access to like a small group plan that is far more affordable than um, you know, I don't know, that that might be an avenue for you guys depending on exactly how who qualifies for that, but uh it'd be tempting to you know, to uh, make a strong argument for you guys just being a, a traditional firm for a minute for the sake of getting insurance. Yeah, I think you're right. And for, for short-term disability, what would you think that the right amount, if you were going to take the approach of um, w- relying on an emergency fund situation, which you should only do, of course, if you have health insurance, <laughs> probably. Um, so, uh, everything is something you should only do if you have health insurance, um, the unfortunate reality we live in. Um, but, uh, how much do you think is reasonable for, um, socking away? Uh, for an emergency fund, um, I, for freelancers, like, I mean, I think uh, I think it'd be awesome if you could strive to get to like a six months worth of or, or more, and and part of that's just going to be dependent on like your level of comfort. Um, I joked earlier, implied this, but like Sarah, you have this uncanny ability, or or you have in your life so far to just kind of land on your feet when in, in weird situations, you know. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> challenging times, and I've always admired that about you. I I do not possess that ability usually. I, I'm in the background striving my very best to, to hold everything together and make everything perfect. And it still, uh, comes out sideways. Um, so we kind of, I mean, we're going to be the people that err on kind of over insuring or over saving. Um, so, you know, we're above that since we're both freelancers, uh, especially, um, I, as we've mentioned before, I, I have a fairly stable income as it, as it, um, as freelancers go, you know what I mean? Um, cause I, I had my clients sign, you know, 12 year terms. And so like, I kind of know what my 2019 looks like already, you know, and, and have a, a pretty good outlook on that. Um, even still, since I'm a freelancer and my wife is self-employed as well, it just makes us feel a lot better. So, um, whatever that amount is where you quit worrying about it, <laughs> you know, is, is kind of a good metric. Um, not to say that we don't ever worry about it, but, uh, within reason, um, but six months would be a great, I mean, you know, part of it depends on your business too. Like, uh, my wife is a realtor can go like months and months without having a paycheck, right? Like she can work real hard and, and be, you know, out there doing her thing. But before a, a check hits the bank account, it's, it's, you know, four or five, six months. So it's good for us to have, you know, kind of that in mind, the nature of our business in mind so that we can plan a savings account around that, you know, uh, if her business looked a lot like my business, we wouldn't need as much, you know, cause we, we would always kind of have an outlook to look forward to, but, um, that's not the case. So, you know, depending on the nature of people who are listening to businesses, um, that could be a good guidepost too. Okay. Yeah. And I guess, I have had this conversation. It's, it's helpful to have this conversation with your spouse, but I think it, 
if you don't have a significant other, probably short-term disability becomes increasingly important as well. Um, and uh, thinking this through is also really important because I feel like until you have kids or, um, if, you know, a spouse, sometimes you don't put forth the thought that you should into all of this. But in reality, if something happens to you, somebody's stepping up, <laughs> hopefully, or you're paying somebody to step up. And in either case, I mean, unless you're just living on the brink of homelessness, you've got to kind of think how that would that would work out. I, you know, uh, my husband and I, the first time we were talking about emergency fund, we, we were talking about like months, you know, like, all right, we need six months living expenses or, you know, two months living expenses or whatever it was. And um, then we wrote down the numbers and they were radically different because in his mind, um, it was only our fixed costs that were our living expenses, like our bills that we can't change. Um, and I was thinking, you know, we still have to eat and like go places and, you know, pay for gas and, you know, you can't just stop, you know, stop living. Yeah. Um, right. You know, Become you, a hermit. Yeah. You just, and starve to death and pay your mortgage. So we kind of had to like bump up what we considered our living expenses to be, um, uh, met somewhere in the middle, but it's good to kind of talk that out with somebody if you can. Because you'll find your own blind spots. Yeah. And I think the point you made just a second ago is super valid. If um, This is one of those, usually with life insurance, it's the kind of thing that if you don't have dependents, then like you don't need life insurance as much, you know, like you just, you, you would die and that would, I mean, you know, the end. But, but this kind of insurance is a little bit different because e even if you don't have kids or you don't have a spouse, like you hope a you know, a parent or a, you know, crazy aunt or someone would step in and care for you, you know, if you needed uh, long-term care. And so, um, to not be a financial burden on them, it's huge. Like if you had the money to, to be cared for well, and you just needed, you were just then asking the generosity of someone to orchestrate that, not to fund it a, a dramatically different situation. Um, we're thinking about, um, mm -hmm. and sooner, probably, I'm just going to say probably sooner, uh, we're thinking about sooner than two and a half years in like I did. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm kind of in a different, uh, you know, a similar, but different position in that like I've had mine for a while and like just thinking about this conversation, I was like, mm, like my income looks different now than it did when I got this plan. Like, do I need to check back in on this and make sure like, does it scale with my income or is it tied to the income I had before, like so many years ago? Like, so that would be getting like some percentage of that income when I really need some percentage of my current income. Um, so all those kind of questions popped in my mind because it's one I've just kind of, you know, dismissed. We've we've revisited life insurance when our daughter was born and we've done, you know, we've, we've kind of visited a lot of our plans um, since then. And this is one that we just haven't really considered. So um, if you have it and it's been a while, perhaps it's a good time to, to just, uh, give a phone call to your agent and just kind of make sure everything's where you think it is still. Yes. I couldn't agree more. Um, mm -hmm. I think we covered it. Is there anything else we should add? Oh, one other thing I mentioned is like, uh, ways to get these kinds of insurances. Um, yeah, if you have a spouse that has access to group benefits that you can kind of, you know, uh, finagle your way into, um, that's probably going to be your best bet. Um, I don't have that. I don't know if you have that, Sarah. No. 
Okay. Not um, for something like disability where it would be just covering him. Okay. Yeah. Um, if that's, you know, if it's a generous benefits plan, great. Uh, I'd say most people probably don't. And if so, um, I would suggest an independent insurance agent for that. Um, insurance agents that uh, work for a company who you see lots of commercials for on TV um, are generally captive agents. They're agents that can only sell one t- brand of insurance. And that's the, you know, that's the state farm or the, Prudential or the uh, who's the one with the mayhem guy Allstate, um, and so they can only sell that one brand. An independent agent, or you know, you'd, you'd see on like the awning in front of their office, like you know X Y Z insurance agency, you know those kinds of people. Um, there are people that can provide a whole host of brands. So if you went and met with them, they would you know take your case and go shop it amongst uh, a handful of brands. And the brands they're they're shopping among are probably ones that you've never heard of before, um, but they have uh, um, insurance companies have a rating like a an A AAA like you know um, kind of rating. Your broker can explain that in greater detail than me, but um, so you can make sure you're getting a legit company, even though you maybe have not heard of them before. Um, how that kind of works out, if you're curious, is that the companies that spend tons of money on commercials uh, generally have to charge more for their product to fund all the commercials. Uh, the companies you've never heard of before compete based on price, and then they don't spend much at all on advertising. And so, um, you know, we all most of our insurance are through companies you know you you probably have not heard of at least our, our property casualty insurance. Um, I think a couple of like our life insurance policies or someone you may have heard of, but, um, so anyways, you know, don't be afraid by that. If it's some, somebody you've never heard of, uh, as long as they're rated well and priced well, you know, you're in good shape. I didn't know any of that. I'm really glad you laid okay. that out. Yeah. I mean, you know, and if you're curious, if you got like your state farm guy, you've always worked with, like, I mean, price him. We, we did that a number of years ago for life insurance and our home and auto insurance. And it was, it was kind of dramatically different, um, price wise. So, uh, it's, it's something that's worth, you know, maybe getting a, a price from each, but, um, chances are your, your independent agent is going to be the way to go. Yeah. I agree with that. Uh, now that mm-hmm. I've heard it for the first mm-hmm. time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes. Persuasive argument, right? (laughs) Yeah, I do. I do think so. This all is really, really good stuff to think about. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, this particular type of plan is, is one of those that isn't going to cost you a lot. And I, you know, if it's something that like you just can't afford now, just keep it on a list somewhere so that when you get there, you can, I mean, you know, ideally you'd get it as soon as possible, but, um, there are probably other types of life insurance that are more important because statistically a hundred percent of the people die, but not like everyone gets disabled. Um, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's uh, totally, yeah. it's just an upper and that's yeah. how I would title the episode. If we did that, <laughs> we're all going to die. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. And, and so like, you know, prioritize amongst those, but uh, make sure it's on your list. I think that's a, Great point. And I think a lot of people leave freelancing, even though they love it because it's so unpredictable or they feel less secure. Um, But maybe if we all really tried to kind of bolster our own security through piecemeal fashion, like now I can afford uh, short term disability. And I actually know about that. And, you know, you actually think through what you're afraid will happen and prepare for it. 
you know, perhaps we will feel less exposed and vulnerable than even the uh, W-2 employed people. Yeah. I mean, the nice thing is you can build your own benefits package, right? Like there's no more like, oh, my employer doesn't offer that. Like, well, you're your employer. Go offer it. You know, yeah. um, I was fortunate in that the last two places I worked traditionally had garbage for benefits and garbage for people to manage the benefits. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, it was a dumpster fire and I was constantly having to look over their shoulder and question everything and dig into it and do my own research. Um, so that forced me to become more knowledgeable about this, even when I was in, in the comfort of, you know, a traditional job, but it's a good place to be because now, you know, those things, you know, those things, you know, and, and you can go in and, and shop for it intelligently and, uh, you know, kind of create your own, your own package. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's work, right? Like it, it takes time to get all the quotes and fill out all the paperwork and, you know, uh, some of the plans have like, um, uh, physicals you have to go get, you know, and stuff like that. Um, but it's, it's one of those things that, um, is a great thing to do for if you're just getting started during that slow period while you're waiting on, you know, proposals to come back. Um, or if you've been at it, you know, make use of a, a slow season and, and kind of tackle some of these things. Yeah. Um, any other parting words for our listeners? I don't think so. Um, I will take a brief moment to apologize about how terrible my audio was for the last two episodes. <laughs> You've been beating yourself up about that. I have. I hate making mistakes. Um, <laughs> and that, it, was, it was really bad. I listened to it right after we recorded. And I was like, no, I couldn't sleep. I just laid in bed fuming because um, that's me. But um, uh, I will include a video of my daughter, uh, quote unquote, recording a podcast. Oh, with- good. Aunt Sarah, and uh, I'll just include that as the sweetest way of saying someone had messed around with all my equipment, and uh, although I wish I double-checked it before we recorded, um, I, I wanted didn't. I wanted to post that video uh, on the Instagram and be like, I guess just anybody can record a podcast now. They get younger every year. Kids these days. She's so cute. Yeah. All right. That seems like more than sufficient. <laughs> It's funny because every time she records one, she records one with Aunt Sarah because that's like the, she only hears me talking. So it's like only something that you and I do. You know? <laughs> but so ironically, when she's in the car and I'm like listening to an episode, you know, occasionally I'll do that. She hates it. She always makes me turn it off. She really? Listening to me on the radio. So there you go. Uh, maybe she hates listening to me. Don't take maybe. it personally. I'd say she gets plenty of listening to me. She probably doesn't need more. So. <laughs> She's like, oh, it's inception of listening to my dad talk. <laughs> yeah, when I was a kid, I probably wouldn't have loved that either. So. Uh, fair. Uh, Anyways. I'd like now where you'd really eat it up. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, all right. <laughs> well, have a good week. Um, wait, we should ask our listeners to go to our page. Yeah, yeah, uh, unfederated.studio to see uh, any information about today's show and or videos of my kid jacking up all my podcast stuff. (laughs) That being so cute. (laughs) All right, Um, I'll talk to you soon, bro. All right, good chatting. See you. Later.